Welcome to the 46th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Lloyd Kaufman. Well, this is uh, Jeffrey Deaver, author of, uh, most recently, The Burning Wire, and uh, soon to be author of the next continuation James Bond novel. I spend a lot of time writing, a lot of time researching my books, um, but uh, when I'm not doing that, I, I love uh, listening to the Reading and Writing Podcast, which you can hear at readingandwritingpodcast.com. Uh, well, welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Lloyd Kaufman, film director, producer, screenwriter. Kaufman is the co-founder of Trauma Entertainment and the director of many feature films, including The Toxic Avenger. In addition, Kaufman has written a series of books for people who are interested in directing and producing independent films. The latest book in that series, Sell Your Own Damn Movie, has just been published. Lloyd, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much, and uh, this is uh, the highlight of my uh, 40 years of uh, failed cinema, <laughs> to be on your podcast. Thank you. Well, well thanks for saying that. <laughs> We only have a few minutes, but uh, I'm just curious, how does one sell their own damn movie, in your opinion? Well, uh, I've written about 400 pages, so uh, since you only have a few minutes, I think the most important thing is that um, you need to, if you're a true artist and you don't want to be controlled by uh, one of the giant uh, conglomerates, you have to um, put on your, uh, your uh, whoring hat and go out and whore for your art. Picasso did it. Charlie Chaplin did it. Uh, many of the greatest artists, uh, in fact, uh, that caveman that's in the Werner Herzog movie uh, obviously <laughs> did it. He's got there's all sorts of stuff uh, where he publicized. A lot of artists feel that uh, that uh, promoting their uh, art is uh, is not a good thing. Uh, they feel it's a merchant thing. It's a Jewish merchant. You know, they feel it's low class. Well, it's not. It's a. It's stupid not to promote your own art. Otherwise, uh, if you leave it to uh, 20th Century Fox or Paramount or one of those uh, uh, corporations, your career will be cut off at the legs, as uh, happened to Buster Keaton and as has happened to uh, Preston Sturgis and countless others who are geniuses. So get out there and do it yourself. Now, my book tells you uh, many ingenious ways. Uh, Troma and I have been doing it for 40 years. Uh, and the fact that I was able to uh, sell um, a book to my publisher, the fact that uh, Elsevier uh, Publishing uh, or Focal Press, whatever they're called, the fact that I convinced them to let me write a book, that should be proof enough that I know how to sell. Exactly. Well, well I'm curious with your, with your founding of Trauma, was it a situation where you tried to make it the traditional route in the movie business? And, you, mean, and, you, you mean did I try to make it and fail? Is that what you're trying to say? Was no, I a no. flop and I, out of desperation, I made the Toxic Avenger and went to Yale University and all that because <laughs> I was a stupid idiot with nothing to say? Is that what you're getting at? Not at all. Yeah, Not that's perfectly all. okay because you're right. <laughs> so so what, 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 what was the motivation for, for starting The motivation trauma? is to be an artist. The motivation is to have artistic freedom. That's the motivation, to do what uh, Jean Renoir did, to do what Rossellini did, to walk in the footsteps of uh, Stan Brackage and Charlie Chaplin and John Ford and, and Howard Hawks, to have total control, to be an auteur director. And that is why in 1974 we started uh, Troma Entertainment, 
It's the longest. In fact, I've never had a job. I've never had a job in my entire life. Um, well, I guess I've had a few, but I've never had a career other than Troma Entertainment. And uh, we started Troma Entertainment so that we could make movies unfettered by the uh, suits and the accountants and the lawyers and the um, the cocaine. Uh, well, actually, those guys are not so bad. But we, we uh, wanted to have total freedom and also give the opportunity to other independent artists, such as Trey Parker, who we started, and, uh, and um, Oliver Stone, who started with me, and uh, a host of other uh, independent uh, geniuses who uh, started their careers uh, in the fresh air of uh, trauma. That's the whole idea. I, I, I was a big fan of the uh, Cahiers de Cinema, the, uh, the uh, French magazine that was uh, uh, compiled by the Cinémathèque Française and that was authored by uh, Jean um, uh, Truffaut and Chabrol and Melville, and they were all journalists, and uh, they, they propounded the auteur theory of cinema, which says that uh, that if you want to um, uh, make good movies, uh, you the movie is the 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 director must be the author of the movie. It's the director's event. The director must have 100% control over the art. And that has been my theory and the theory of Michael Hers, my 40-year partner. And um, whether you like our films or not, um, they reflect our souls, and we can uh, we can uh, throw off these mortal coils with the with the notion that uh, at least we uh, had the uh, privilege of. Uh, presenting what we thought was art and what we thought was emotion uh, that was personal and intimate uh, and derived from our hearts to uh, to our audiences well, as opposed to uh, as opposed to what you get in the New York Times every day uh, full page ads for uh, bad bosses ooh <laughs> pray love ooh larry crown larry crown oh. <laughs> well, well when you when you started uh, obviously there were no lloyd kaufman sell your own damn movie books out how how did you figure it out yourself was it was it a process and and along the way what do you feel like uh, is there something in your mind of uh that you would characterize as maybe your biggest business mistake that you figured out along the way well uh, those are very good questions um there, the the um, the notion of independent low budget uh, movies has always been around. You know, when when the studios were being developed, uh, the Hollywood studios, there was a, a Poverty Row. Columbia Pictures began on what they called Poverty Row, and and uh, because uh, Harry Kahn was a uh, a great uh, visionary, um, it. Uh, it, it produced some really great movies and became a major division of uh, a devil-worshipping international media conglomerate called uh, Sony. So um, there, there have always been uh, low-budget um, film makers and film producers, and some of those directors who worked for the Poverty Row uh, films were very good. Um, so I saw that there were indeed uh, uh, good uh, directors out there who were making movies on low budgets with good scripts and uh, provocative um, themes and good acting. Uh, so I, uh, I figured, uh, well, okay, it's been done before. I'm not the first. And then um, uh, in terms of, um, of the uh, organizing trauma, I just was you know, 19 and uh, figured what, you know, when you're that age or 20 or 21 or whatever, uh, you don't think you will uh, die, so you uh, try things. And we live in the most uh, the most uh, 
you know, we live in the greatest country uh, in history for that kind of endeavor. Um, you know, and and uh, so uh, I got lucky and was able to start a company that uh, has been uh, going on now. And we own about a thousand movies, and we've we've made about a hundred of them. And um, there were um, the books that I read were Chaplin's autobiography and King Vidor. Um, King Vidor is a tree is a tree. I think his autobiography was called that. Preston mm-hmm. Sturgis wrote a book called Between the Flops, uh, Fun in the Chinese Laundry by. Um, Von Sternberg. Uh, uh, so there were there were what I didn't read were the books by uh, people who wrote uh, uh, about how to make movies who never made movies, and that's what most of your books are today. Uh, I've written uh, make your own damn movie, sell your own damn movie, direct your own damn movie, produce your own damn movie. Uh, I've written six books, and um, I actually have made uh, movies, and that's what makes my film sell your own damn movie quite unique. And, and what, what motivated you to write these books? Um, another a great question. Um, the, the, um, the history of trauma was very difficult at the beginning. And uh, the mainstream and the, the McCarthy uh, mentality, the blacklisting mentality, is still very much a part of, uh, of Hollywood. Um, it's a lot slicker, but it's still a society that is uh, following orders. It's still very fascist even though it's uh, cloaked in the limousine liberal uh, vetment. Um, but it's a horrible environment. And um, once Troma became successful, once our studio became successful, uh, Michael Herz and I decided to devote some of our uh, uh, intellectual and uh, spiritual and economic capital to supporting independent art. And um, I uh, decided that uh, I would write essays and on... Uh, if you go to Troma.com or LloydKaufman.com, which is a fan site, there's uh, a lot of essays I've written called Lloyd's Roids, which talk about various uh, points, uh, various themes of political issues or sociological issues that uh, get in my craw. And I, just, I thought I would try to give some inspiration to uh, young people who might not want to be part of uh, Rupert Murdoch's uh, great empire. Uh, phone tapping, could, phone tapping empire. They could, they could read my. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. Well, I'm sure that's not all he's done. Oh, I'm sure not. And I'm hopefully, sure not. he will go to jail, and hopefully that, uh, hopefully that uh, that uh, uh, one of my writers. Uh, I'm writing Toxic Avenger Part Five now, and one of them just came to the doors. Um, so uh, luckily, somebody's letting him in. Sorry, that's why. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um, but um, so the point is, I wanted to inspire, and and the fact that I think I think of the trauma. The, the, the fact that Troma, a, a movie that makes uh, a, a company that makes movies with, uh, uh, you know, head squashings and uh, dancing, uh, singing and dancing, uh, chicken Indian zombies and uh, um, um, stuff like that. The, um, the 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 fact that we make uh, movies like uh, Terra Firma and Tromeo and Juliet, uh, uh, movies that on the surface have absolutely no uh, commercial um, prospects. And yet we've succeeded for 40 years. If uh, idiots like us could do it, then that would give hope to anybody who reads my book or books that, uh, that they can do it. Because not everybody is uh, interested in uh, making anti-fast food uh, movies uh, that are musicals with hard-bodied lesbians and uh, dancing and singing chicken Indian zombies. That is and not and, and how, how have you been agenda. able to do it? 
You just mentioned that uh, on the surface, a lot of your movies don't have a ton of commercial potential, and yet it's all you've done for your life. How have you made it work? Well, they're very entertaining, and um, there is a big audience for um, movies that uh, are thought-provoking and movies that are um, uh, funny. Uh, we uh, combine uh, the genres. A movie like Poultry Guys, The Night of the Chicken Dead, or uh, Citizen Toxie, the fourth Toxic Avenger movie, for example, uh, are uh, dealing with interesting social issues, yet they... Um, they're extremely uh, amusing, and um, and there are um, lots of uh, people out there who really don't want to see bad bosses. They really are tired. They don't want to see Adam Sandler. Uh, yes, uh, Michael Bay's uh, um, trailer for that wonderful Transformers movie got uh, 700 and kabillion hits uh, or views on YouTube, um, but there are thousands and thousands of people with a brain who are not so interested in looking at Transformers Part uh, 62 um, and want to see trauma movies. Uh, the, the, um, with, uh, the guys who made Crank uh, and who are now making uh, the reboot of uh, uh, Ghost Rider, uh, those directors are uh, big trauma fans, uh, and they say that in a fair world, uh, if Poultry Geist had indeed been treated, uh, given a little bit of respect by the media, I don't mean reviews, but attention, attention mm-hmm. by the media, that it, uh, that it should have been a huge mainstream hit. It's a lot funnier, it's a lot more entertaining, a lot more thought-provoking, and certainly a lot more intelligent than 99% of the uh, garbage that's made for $100 million. Uh, it's just that trauma doesn't have the uh, control over the vertically integrated media that um, uh, Paramount, Sony, and uh, the others uh, have. Right. Well, well luckily, I'm curious. Luckily, you guys have paid attention to me, and I have a <laughs> feeling when this runs on your, uh, on your blog, uh, my book is going to be selling hundreds and thousands of copies. Oh, I'm of course. I'm very grateful. Of Thank course. you. Uh, well, I'm curious, with, with the technology tools and digital cameras getting cheaper and cheaper, are you surprised that you don't see more kind of like Robert Rodriguez's first movie, El Mariachi, which was shot for $7,000? And, and, and I'll, I'll admit, uh, I have two small kids, so I, I'm not, you know, one who's up on the latest in terms of independent cinema in the U.S. But it just seems to me that there are a lot of people who still try to go the traditional route of Hollywood while the tools are out there. I'm just surprised that we're not seeing a lot more people kind of going out on their own and making kick-ass movies on the cheap. Well, uh, Jeff Rutherford, you bring up a perfect point. Um, The good news of today's uh, uh, filmmaking world is that um, the the making of cinema has been democratized um, in the same way that uh, when when I started making films, my first movie, Battle of Love's Return, which uh, featured Oliver Stone uh, in his, uh, the first time he ever did anything with a movie, um, that film still cost about $8,000 back in 1970. So today that would be probably come out with inflation to $2 billion. You had to be rich to, to make a movie back in those days. And until the digital revolution, you had to have money. You, even the trauma movies, uh, the, the Poultry Guys, The Night of the Chicken Dead, was a 35-millimeter movie. It's still half a million dollars. That's a lot of... Uh, uh, dress shops that you could set up for little uh, trendy restaurants for half a million bucks. 
so so now though with the advent of the digital miracle you don't need money you don't have to have money to make movies what you do have to do is know how to sell them you have to if you want to be supported by your art you can't uh, make no budget movies and expect the new york times to have any interest in it um the new york times when i made battle of love's return um the the film critic was so interested uh, i didn't have money for a screening room uh, the film critic for the New York Times was so interested. He actually came to my mother's house, and I showed him the the uh, print of Battle of Love's Return in my bedroom on a pull-down 16-millimeter <laughs> screen. Uh, today, with Poultry Guys, Night of the Chicken Dead, after 40 years, after being in, you know, after Quentin Tarantino, uh, Trey Parker, and Matt Stone, uh, the uh, Neville Dean and Taylor, you know, what's his name, Smith. Uh, all these guys who've been influenced, Takashi Miike, they've all been influenced mm-hmm. by, by trauma and me, and yet New York Times, when they reviewed Poultry Geist, they put it in the, in the shit section, the film in review, you know, the et cetera, right. et cetera section. Yo, there's a big Adam Sandler movie opening today, and they, two pages of reviews, and, and A.O. Scott twisting himself into a pretzel to try to say something good about the White Castle Part 2 movie. Uh, but uh, meanwhile, I, who have been doing this for 40 years, who left an indelible mark. People are still, the theaters are still playing uh, movies we made 40 years ago. There are uh, retrospectives all over the world in uh, places like the uh, British Film Institute, and uh, I'm lecturing at Oxford, for Christ's sake. Uh, but meanwhile, the New York Times uh, um, you know, throws me in with the, uh, the uh, politically correct uh, first-time documentary maker you know and uh, but that's the that's the mindset you know well, if you're well, not so, so, the what, so with the democratization of 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 cinema why why are more people not going out and doing it on their own why they are they doing that? it on their own they're doing it there are thousands of movies being made the problem is that um not everybody is um a buster keaton not sure. everybody is a, a stan brackage or a trey parker sure but there are tons of great movies being made uh uh, two of our employees just made one called Mr. Bricks. Mr. Bricks is a heavy metal murder musical. It's brilliant. It's totally artistic. It's great. But I don't think uh, any of the mainstream film festivals will take it. They're, they're star fuckers. They want to, uh, you know, they want the... the or, or, the or, or the independent movie has to be totally acceptable. It's got to be like Hobo with a Shotgun. You know, if that had been made... You know, and in fact, everybody reviewed Hobo with a Shotgun, and I'm not putting that film down. It's a good film, mm-hmm. but it's a safe film. You know, it was 20 years ago, it would have been considered, wow, this is pretty wild. But wow. today, right. uh, it, it's like a trauma movie that was made 20 years ago. And I think most of the most of the um, uh, reviews of that movie were uh, of that kind. And so naturally, Sundance and and uh, you know, so they can fill some seats at midnight. They'll uh, they'll book it. But uh, the trauma movies, which are movies of the future. Um, no matter how good they are, uh, because they come from the heart and they are totally made without any thought of uh, of um, pandering to the uh, pocketbook of the um, of the uh, media, um, get ignored. Luckily, so, so, uh, Jeff Rutherford doesn't ignore us. <laughs> so, given given what you're saying, um, it would seem to me, uh, and and I think what you're saying is, is true, that that the you know. Uh, film festivals that you know build themselves 15 or 20 years ago as being alternative to mainstream cinema have now been co-opted uh, because they you know ultimately they they want that fame. W- wouldn't you say that there's an opportunity out there ripe for someone to 
to uh, to put on and produce a you know kind of like the the uh, fringe festival that they do for theater in, in New York. Um, well, you know, Troma began uh, about 13 years ago. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone and I went to um, the Sundance Festival uh, with Cannibal the Musical, and it was so unpleasant. Um, the um, uh, The atmosphere was so horrible, and clearly the Sundance people were not uh, fans of true independent cinema. So we, uh, partly inspired by Trey and Matt, uh, we set up the Troma Dance Film Festival. We uh, there's no, and we sh- and we had it for ten years. We 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 presented it in Park City, Utah, mm-hmm. at the same time, same place as the Sundance Festival. Except that you don't have to pay money to submit <laughs> your movie. We think it's a disgrace that these film festivals charge money for a movie to be submitted, um, uh, especially since the major festivals, in my opinion, are fixed. Um, the the uh, you can see the movies for free at Troma Dance, and there's no VIP policy. And we recently outgrew uh, Park City, Utah, so we moved away from Sundance, and now Troma Dance Festival is in Asbury Park, New Jersey. And um, uh, Asbury Park, of course, has the word ass in its uh, first syllable, so uh, <laughs> it's a very good venue for A Troma. great combination. Actually, and and when, when, it, when is the uh, next one? City. The next Troma Dance is uh, uh, April. It comes up once a year in April uh, traumadance.com um, if you want more information or if you right. want to submit your movie it's all free and um, we've had some great movies there um, wonderful wonderful films uh, so we, check it out we, yeah absolutely now one of the points I make in a lot of my, my book uh, Sell Your Own Damn Movie is, is um, uh, uh, I think ahead of the time because one of the reasons that I think Troma is successful is that we give away our art you know we're not every, we're not suing our fans We've always been interactive with our fans, and we've let our fans, if, for example, uh, a bar in Seattle wants to show uh, uh, Terra Firmer or Tromeo and Juliet, um, and they don't charge admission, uh, we'll let them do that. Um, there were some kids who were, wanted to make a musical of Toxic Avenger in uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, some fans. Uh, they weren't really kids. They were probably in their 30s or 20s. And um, and and we let them do it. We didn't charge them for the rights. We let them do it for free. And and um, a, a lot of my book explains how you can make money by uh, by uh, giving your art away and um, uh, how uh, copyright law is all screwed up. That it's uh, all it's the, the current copyright law is written mainly by Disney and the conglomerates. And it does not benefit you or, or me. It benefits the uh, the major corporations, the big media conglomerates who control uh, the intellectual property of the world, which includes pharmaceutical and uh, much more important uh, items than uh, just uh, movie copyright. So sure. I, I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of uh, net neutrality and file sharing and uh, well, well, give me an example because you, you just said making money by giving uh, your. Uh, by giving work away or, or, or letting, you know, the examples that you use. So, well, so can you, so a, can you, can you yeah, give me an example right. of how to make money off of that? Well, the, the Toxic Avenger has been made into a, a Broadway musical, and it played a year off Broadway last year, and clearly we made money from that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now they're bringing it to Broadway, and we have gross points. But we let two different groups do it for free. 
and we didn't grind them for uh, you know whatever it is that Metallica wanted when they sued their fans, or whatever the uh, <laughs> the, the folks making uh, the Hurt Locker are suing their uh, little fat fourteen-year-old uh, fans who are blogging and not paying and not charging anybody. Sure, uh, the, the copyright laws are outdated. Uh, Nina Paley uh, uh, is in my book. Nina Paley made a movie, a masterpiece called Sita sings the blues it's an animated uh, feature-length animated movie it's very good she has made two hundred and seventy five thousand dollars by giving her movie away because people make donations they buy her little she has some jewelry she's got see to sing the rules uh, see to sing sings the blues uh, jewelry and and uh, and they buy her dvds they buy hers but basically she she lets anybody distribute her movie. Anyone, anyone anywhere can distribute her movie. And yet she has made a, 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 quite a bit of money, enough so she doesn't have to have a day job. And That's it's right. all explained in my book. And That's I'll great. tell you, Troma has benefited enormously from piracy. In Russia, they pirated our movies for years, and we never got a dime. But then when the uh, wall came down and greed, uh, I'm sorry, and capitalism set in <laughs> in Russia, suddenly there were copyright laws, and we, we were famous by then. Troma has a big cult following in Russia, and we started making money. And um, so for the independent artist, um, the, the um, uh, file sharing and, uh, and uh, the current copyright laws uh, are, um, the file sharing can be a good thing, and co the copyright law must be changed. It's, and I'm not alone in this. There is a right. very erudite, uh, uh, Lawrence Lessig, the uh, professor at Stanford, although maybe he's at Columbia now, um, uh, he is a written a book called Remix, all about uh, the, the fact that today's copyright law is nothing compared to what uh, Jefferson originally had uh, envisioned. And I right. talk about that in my book, and I give you the history of it, and I, and I show you that the current copyright law is basically playing into the hands of a uh, very small, very rich, powerful elite and screwing everybody else. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about film distribution and DVD distribution, which can be an arcane business. What should young filmmakers know about that? Well, I think that um, they should be part of it. Um, as a director now, more than ever, uh, social networking is, uh, and I don't think that's any surprise to anybody, but uh, the, uh, I talk a lot in my book, and I've interviewed other directors, about half my book, Sell Your Own Damn Movie, uh, talks about uh, my uh, and Troma's system of distribution. But the other half of the book uh, is a compiled uh, of, uh, comprised of interviews and sidebars and essays uh, by and about uh, successful uh, distributors. So that um, you've got the guys, let's say one of my readers wants to, wants to be in with a major uh, mainstream company. Well, Summit Distribution is a huge company. Uh, they're independent. They distribute Twilight. Um, they, they produced uh, Twilight uh, in conjunction with a couple of other companies, but they distribute it. And they also uh, were involved uh, producing and distributing step-up uh, movies. Um, they've got the movie out now called A Better Life. Um, and they are a major, they're a mini-major. So mm -hmm. if you want to work with them, I lay it all out for you. In my book, I interviewed the head of distribution for that book. I interviewed for my book, uh, for, I interviewed the head of distribution for Summit. Um, also, um, um, Paranormal Activity is probably the most profitable movie in history, uh, right. dollar for dollar. And I interviewed Oren Pelley, and he talks about how he 
as the filmmaker um, shepherded the movie from uh, from oblivion into a major major release through uh, Spielberg and Paramount and uh, that's a very interesting and uh, an educational uh, story uh, so I've got a whole um, food chain of um, the distribution methods not just traumas but um, and Tromas obviously has been successful, but um, the, uh, the, the uh, people distributing no-budget movies out of their basement and people uh, who are working with the foreign sales agents and uh, producers' representatives. Uh, I've got a guide to film festivals in the book. Uh, you know, fest- film festivals, they might be of some use. Um, most are not terribly useful, uh, uh, but they're all uh, important. And um, it basically, if you want a Bible for selling your own damn movie in today's, uh, in today's um, new age, uh, sell your own damn movie really is the, uh, the Bible for that. And there's uh, nothing that it doesn't cover. And I think that if the independent uh, filmmaker um, does not get uh, a, a cabillion dollar uh, distribution deal from uh, Time Warner, I would say the next best thing is to buy my book and um, <laughs> follow, uh, you know, read it and then uh, make some decisions. Great. Well, I, I had a question for you. Um, a lot of people who listen to my podcast are writers, and some of them are starting to self-publish their novels and short stories as e-books. Uh, again, talking about the democratization of, of media in, in general. Given all of your knowledge over the years about promotion, publicity, and selling, do you have any kind of basic advice on how someone who is selling a creative work, in this case a book, can start to build an audience for their work and their creative vision? Well, the first thing I think people should realize, and again, I'm, you know, I, I'm a very peculiar case, obviously. There is only one trauma in the history of cinema. There has only been, I think we are the longest running independent movie studio in history. But I think what people, the big truth that I've come across, and I I really believe in it, is that it isn't money that's the most valuable thing. It's time, people's time, people's time. And this whole notion of, oh, I've got to get a book advance. I've got to, no, you don't have to get a book advance. What you have to do is get people's time, is get them to give you their time. That is so much more valuable than than a few bucks for for the book. Now I do work with a with a publisher uh, because I'm uh, been around a long time. But sure. and 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 they're very good. Uh, Focal Press and Elsevier Press uh, publications they're very good. Um, but um, if you work, if you have something that people want to see, people want to see Class of Newcomb High, a movie we made in 1986. Uh, I would say 99.9 percent of the world has never heard of it. But every year, more and more people uh, are buying the DVD or, or um, uh, streaming it or distributing it or doing something um, because it's a word of mouth. They want to give their time to that movie because it's good. Class of Newcomb High is good. No, it didn't have a $100 million advertising campaign. But I guarantee you that in 1986, there were uh, tons of movies that did have $100 million or equivalent advertising campaigns that are long forgotten. Uh, movie theaters are still playing Class of Newcomb High, the uh, the Austin uh, Draft House, the uh, uh, Draft House. It's what's it called? Alamo it's the Draft House in Alamo Austin. Draft so it's the uh, Entertainment Weekly's favorite movie theater. They just played Class of Newcomb High, 
So, so the point is, if you make something that's good, if you write something that's good, it's evergreen people content. People are going to find it. People will find it one way or the other. But there's a big if. There's something called net neutrality. Net neutrality, and I talk about it in the book, and I've written about it. Uh, this is very important. The net neutrality means that the uh, uh, that the internet, it's the uh, democratic internet which we currently have. Anyone who has something to say can go on the internet and have as much uh, right and as much attention as General Motors or President Obama or Time Warner. It's a, it's, if you have something that's interesting, two girls, one cup, people will go there. <laughs> 500,000 people go to Troma. Um, 500,000 people go to Troma, I, and, 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 and that helps us. You know, they go to our website because it's entertaining and it's fun. Um, uh, uh, the the problem is now, though, that the phone companies and the ISPs uh, are trying to get rid of net neutrality. They want to have a, an expensive superhighway that only they can uh, afford to uh, to navigate, and then the rest of us will be put on a dirt road, which will take a long time to buffer. And it, the, what they're trying to do is to have an NBC, ABC, CBS internet for the rich people, and only the rich people can afford it, and then everybody else will be on sort of a public access uh, bumpy dirt road that nobody will be able to find. So that, uh, and, and there are billions of dollars being spent in Washington lobbying, lobbying for this. I'm the chairman of the Independent Film and Television Alliance. That's the trade association for the independent industry. We spend maybe, I don't know, less than a million dollars in Washington, and, and the, uh, the enemy is spending billions to get rid of net neutrality. Um, and and um, uh, any of your listeners, any of your writers, any of your artists, or any of your entrepreneurs, uh, you you should take a you should really uh, uh, contact uh, the FCC, Federal Communications Commission, or your local Congressperson or President Obama, and uh, make this a big issue because it's our last uh, democratic medium. And if anybody believes in the First Amendment, uh, net neutrality is a major major bulwark of the uh, First Amendment. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Lloyd Kaufman, director of The Toxic Avenger and the author of Sell Your Own Damn Movie. And I'm sure as you've heard through this interview, if you are uh, an entrepreneur or a creative person who's trying to sell their work, uh, you can certainly benefit from taking a look at the book Sell Your Own Damn Movie. Thanks for taking the time, Lloyd. Well, thank you, Jeffrey, and thanks to your listeners for um, giving me their time. As I mentioned, it's much more it's much more valuable than money. This is Lee Child, and I'm listening to the Reading and Writing podcast. Thanks for listening to my latest podcast. If you have a chance, please leave a review of the podcast in iTunes. It only takes a moment. Until next time. Read some good books and be well. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.